Hello, Annie Trenders. Welcome to the Girl Taku, hosted by the ladies of anime trending. We are back with another fun topic on the table. My name is Gracie, and I am joined by. Hello, my name is Isabel, and. This is Agnes. So, without further ado, the Girl Taku today will be about dissecting certain anime situations slash scenes that have caused controversies within the anime community. This has been, a, it, these are really interesting situations because there's a lot of different opinions and something that is always kept in mind is cultural context as well as cultural differences. But regardless, we have chosen three of probably the most recent of the anime controversies that have really shaken the anime community in regards to uh, different views as well as how, uh, how they see the situation and what their opinions are. So the first one, uh, I'm going to start with the oldest to the newest one. So the first one, or I guess really the first one that has like two animes involved because they're kind of similar to each other, even though they came out at different times, is uh, regarding Goblin Goblin Slayer as well as SAO Alicization for um, the first part, which is where they used sexual assault as a way to further the storyline or cause conflict amongst uh, the protagonist. And the the big thing in regards to these two that made a big deal is that they explicitly showed the sexual uh, assault on screen. Because a lot of times when we hear sexual assault or, you know, characters that have been sexually assaulted, it's like disgust. It's, um, but it happens off screen. You know, we don't actually see it. But in both of those cases, Goblin Slayer in the very first episode, we actually see, I'm pretty sure we uh, we actually see rape and sexual assault from the goblins to like the female characters. And then in SAO, it was a case of like two girls who were tied up and they were also getting, you know, sexually assaulted by the antagonist characters and the community did not react well to it. Um, There is a chunk of the community who felt that it was extremely insulting as well as tone deaf to to actually portray and show these scenes explicitly on screen. I believe SAO actually had a English version where you don't actually see it anymore, but you just hear it happening. And the camp, the quote unquote camera focuses more on Yujio, who was there to witness everything. And then um, and then I also know in both cases, they had like disclaimers beforehand where it was like this episode is going to depict violent scenes and it might not be, um, you know, it might not be good for everyone. Viewers discretion is advised and stuff like that. But it did start a big argument amongst the anime community where some people feel like that using sexual assault as a way to further conflicts and to further story or and even in Goblin Slayer's case where the entire premise is almost on it because Goblin Slayer is, as you'd probably guess from the title, is the main character is slaying goblins and the goblins are the creatures who are doing all the raping, the pillaging, the very, very bad stuff and they're essentially scum on earth. And so um, and so a lot of people said that a they are honestly quite tired of seeing sexual assault used as a tool to sort of further alongside to further alongside stories and provide conflicts or two and slash or two they think showing it on screen is incredibly tone deaf and also very insulting and triggering for people who suffer from sexual assault which is unfortunately quite a much larger number than we would definitely like out there in the world 
and so, and then the other side, we have people who feel like, well, it's conflicts, you know, it shouldn't be like, you know, I don't see anything wrong with it being allowed because it's an actual thing that happens in real life. And, you know, these things actually cause problems and stuff like that. Or, um, you know, the typical excuse of, oh, it's just anime, it's not real. So people shouldn't get all triggered by it and stuff like that. But there's a lot of controversy around it because there's a lot of fights that have happened within the anime community over this particular choice that Goblin Slayer and SAO had undertaken. And so I have my own opinions, obviously, for the matter. And believe it or not, it's kind of different between the two anime. But, uh, you know, I when this was happening, I never really asked anyone within the anime trending group on what they feel about it. So I don't know how you two feel about this particular uh, controversy at all. So, um, Isabel, like when this was happening and people were, you know, arguing and fighting over it, like what were your thoughts on the matter of how Goblin Slayer and SAO had, you know, very much visually put on screen sexual assault happening to these female characters? Yeah, I definitely thought it it was um, it definitely piqued my interest because uh, they those shows weren't really on my watch list in the beginning, especially Goblin Slayer. So you know after all that, uh, it basically was online. I decided to give it a try, and honestly, I felt horrified by the first episode. I think I was just thrown back, even though I kind of knew it was coming based on what people were saying online. I still felt like. It, it was definitely a show that I decided to drop because it was just, well, one, that scene was, um, definitely I feel like it was just so jarring in a sense for me. Uh, I, I, I guess I should have, you know, known that it might have been like that or I was afraid that, you know, am I going to expect this later on this series too? It's only episode one, right? Right. So that, that kind of, um, threw me off a bit and it wasn't something I was, um, ready to watch even though i've watched shows you know like attack on titan stuff where the first episode is very violent and gory but i don't know goblin slayer just really really threw me off um and then for sao i feel like uh that kind of leads you into that i think it, it's more it's as far as i know it's more into like the middle of the series so it's not, it's not like the first thing that you see so it's kind of expected so you kind of know it's coming but when you don't know when it's coming and something new you just kind of want to start off it, it maybe it can be shocking but I feel like it could have been done in a better way is what I want to say. What do you think about the argument with people who were very unhappy towards it with the fact that, you know, you shouldn't you shouldn't have to you shouldn't put on screen an actual very traumatizing things that women to this and some men, uh, but uh, women and men to these days still have to struggle with and put it as entertainment. You know, like, what do you think about that sort of? fact of people being unhappy with it i think it's valid that they're unhappy with it especially if they're triggered you know i can't say for victims um especially if i you know i can only imagine what it might feel like for them and if they didn't expect that they see that and it triggers you know feelings out of them i feel like that's kind of terrible if there was a disclaimer i think at the very least there could be a disclaimer or a certain rating for it Mm -hmm. Uh, but if it just pops out like that i don't think it's very appropriate <laughs> okay yeah for goblin slayer if i recall correctly they didn't even put a disclaimer when the first episode aired no, and it wasn't until y- no you got go on finish it i was about to say yeah it wasn't and it wasn't until afterwards that they got the backlash where they did they double back and said oh crap maybe we should have seen this earlier so yeah i don't know it's kind of weird because 
they should have seen it coming, but they didn't. And they willingly put out the material there without taking responsibility. So the community becoming entirely frustrated, angry, and very conflicted is very reasonable. Mm -hmm. And what about you? Like, what is your take on the idea of using sexual assault as a conflict slash in Goblin Slayer, you could even argue is a theme because, you know, it's the goblins who are doing such things and stuff like that. So I have two prongs that go off of it. One is because I didn't watch either of the two series as in like the the actual episodes like back to back or even like barest of clips. But I can only imagine that the two prongs I want to go is stylistic direction and story direction. So stylistic direction is like how the English version of SAO decides to blacken out the scene and focus on camera work on Yujio and generally include noises is, I think, a better stylistic choice for animation to insinuate that these scenes have happened and that these are traumatizing the characters, but it spares the audience from the actual trauma because that is something nobody should go through at all. It is not okay. It is horrifying. Um, but to blatantly put it out as a first episode in Goblin Slayer is pretty distasteful, especially if you're uh, you're going like 100% complete depiction of it. But the other prong that I want to also go off with is using sexual assault as a focal point to develop, um, not develop, but to talk about trauma is a different story. Um, I was doing some reading up about other shows and series that do use sexual assault as tropes, but they also include a different path where they talk about the trauma that comes behind of it and character characterization that comes out of it as well. And the most prominent one is what most people would compare to would be Berserk um, by the late Mira. And I think the, the biggest difference between, I guess, Goblin Slayer and SAO and Mura's work is that Mura does depict a lot of these sexual assault scenes. It's very apparent with many of the characters, but there is a process of undoing that trauma and moving forward mm. versus in Goblin Slayer and SAO, it kind of feels like it was slapped in there for shock factor rather than characters having to fight through it um, and heal from their trauma or learn how to make do, take revenge or whatever that they need to do. Mm -hmm. You know what? I, it's funny you mentioned, um, you know, Berserk uh, and, you know, rest his soul uh, for Mira-san who has passed away. But uh, I actually also thought of Berserk back when uh, these controversies were first coming out for Goblin Slayer and SAO because uh, I know for a fact that, you know, as the anime community has grown and more and more people have found out about Berserk, you definitely didn't see that same line of, you know, criticism slash backlash in regards to Berserk, which very much also had a lot of explicit sexual assault scenes. But I think I think you got it right in that with uh, with Goblin Slayer and SAO, Either the characters who get assaulted are used as just uh, a motivation for other characters, you know, that don't actually go through the act this assault and they're sort of like brushed aside and never really seen again in regards to uh, in regards to what it has happened. So literally used as a tool to motivate the protagonist and not existing within their own right as characters or um, or the way they portray it is unfortunately still kind of sexualized you know with like a bit of the bouncing boobs or you know like or like the skin and it's like made to look kind of like sexually leering 
versus Berserk yeah. has made it explicitly clear in like number one, it's it's effing horrifying and disgusting and terrible. And on top of that, the characters who do unfortunately go through these, it's like you said, actually have a journey of having to deal with the fact that they do have this trauma now and that it hurts them and it affects them and it it interrupts their everyday life, you know? And I think that makes it a lot more heavier and is given a lot more focus and like attention versus here's just a writing tool to get the plot going, you know? Right, yeah. And especially like I was reading this one really good Reddit post that breaks down how even the reader themselves was the OP was really conflicted about a lot of these scenes that Mira uh showed in Berserk, but also pointed out that Mira includes other different types of traumas that the characters have to go through in this hellscape and that they're desperately trying to fight out of it. Versus in Goblin Slayer and SAO, there doesn't seem to be other traumas present, nor is there anything else. Right. So it doesn't feel like the sexual assault scenes are even justifiable. If anything, they could just be removed and the plot of the story does not change. Yes. I, I yes, right. I think that's an argument a lot of people made as well. Um Isabel, you were gonna say something. Sorry I interrupted. <laughs> oh no, it's fine. I just say it was I, I pretty much agree with Agnes's statement that I feel like if you just remove that scene, it might not have changed the view of or like, you know, the plot of the story at all, honestly. Another thought that I have had personally is like another once again using Berserk is in in a sense Goblin Slayer versus SAO is that unfortunately sexual assault and rape is a lot more prevalent during the medieval era, which is, you know, classified by its extreme violence and I'm famous actually for its extreme violence and wars and like sort of the atrocities that happened during that time. And so in a way, I am a little more forgiving in stories that take place in that sort of era, because it would be a lie to say that these sort of things don't happen, you know, because they absolutely do, especially amongst like war and violence, which is once again, where Berserk and Goblin Slayer is like entrenched in. Versus SAO, which takes a little more, which basically takes place in the modern era, era, but in video games. Not to say, obviously, that sexual assault isn't a thing anymore. It absolutely is today, unfortunately. But it's just the environment and sort of like the historical context is a lot more different in that regard. And so I think that's another thing that I've like personally thought of where I'm like, there's a slight difference to me between these two in regards to the era that they take place in and i'm really curious if any of you two have ever like thought of that as well i mean that is a very valid point in terms of era and how much you want to depict things realistically as i said in a previous podcast talking about the violence in golden comely mm-hmm, that yeah. at some point when you write about a period of history you need to be realistic but also not be afraid to show the bad parts of history the bad parts that happened during those times in order to tell your story and say hey these were dark times but these are heroes who can make it out of it kind of thing. And that's, I guess, how Berserk works in the same vein. In terms of SAO, I'm not entirely sure because the whole Underworld plot is very confusing to me. Only because I know very little about the Underworld plot in which in which Kirito goes through a government-sanctioned video game in search of something. And then that's all I know. So yes. then it boils down to me thinking like, so who exactly engineers the bots? to do this kind of 
sexual assault thing onto oh NPCs. no that brings it <laughs> so that so that, that that makes me think like wow that's Agnes, a, why are you pointing these things i mean out? i'm thinking like, no. here and i'm just like wow whoever designed this game has some really poor fucking taste no yeah i just so it feels it doesn't feel as justified compared to like berserk um to goblin slayer or to like golden kamui or anything where it does have a historical or at least a fantasy inspired historical setting yeah oh now that you pointed out that just made it work i mean sao already has a slew of very weird bad sexual connotations and references like starting way back in like what uh that is very uh, season one <laughs> start probably like yeah. starting from season one and then ramping up into season two and then getting increasingly worse through season three and the underworld arc mm-hmm. so you know who the hell came up with these ideas damn devs you know well okay okay um now that you point that out you know i remember you saying this to me before and i was hoping you can repeat it you don't have to say it word for word agnes but you once made a point about how the author uh, of sao actually responded uh, to the criticisms of people saying, like, you know, you always add in sexual assault as a way to, like, motivate the male protagonist and to cause drama and stuff like that. And uh, and he responded in a positive way in the fact that he actually, you know, admitted to the fact that he has fault, you know, in doing and making choices like that. But he also gave an explanation to his reason. Like, it wasn't an excuse, you know, but he did want to give an idea as to why he was making these choices. And he knows now that it's wrong. He's going to stop doing it. Do you remember? Oh, Ricky. Ca- uh, Ricky? That? The author of SAO was saying that? Or who was it? Yes, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. In that regard, I think that's fine. Because at one point, you can't go back and rewrite the events that happen in your book. It's there. It's published. How many more editions do you have to rewrite in order to get it right? But as long as you, I guess, as long as the author acknowledges it and understands that using that is not a trope or plot device, but rather it is heavily rooted in human trauma and psychiatric um, stability and also rooted in a medieval time set that he should differentiate the two from his works because it's not okay in the modern context. And it brings a lot of ethical discussion that should not be, uh, that should not come up even in a series like SAO. Mm-hmm. And uh, the thing I was thinking of was, I think you were the one who told me that he also talked about how, unfortunately, because because sexual assault was used so often when he was growing up that he thought it was okay yes. if he had used it. Yes. Yes. Okay. So the interview goes saying that, and I don't blame him because as many authors are, we are influenced by our environment and the things that we derive inspiration from. Guts, uh, sorry, Guts, I keep saying Guts. Berserk has been around for a very, very <laughs> long time. When, when was, when was the first volume published? Like 1970s, 1980s? Oh, that is a, very that is a very old. old time period. And I don't blame Reiki Karahara for growing up in that time period, being influenced by these stories that contain those elements and not being able to differentiate between like plot trope and character development and trauma healing, which is more of a modern day conception or realization, if I should put it that way, and being woke, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, it's so the fact that at least he apologizes for it and won't use it in his other stories, I think is very telling of an author. And I hope that he lives up to it instead of continuing to perpetuate the cycle of using sexual assault, especially in the modern-day context, where there is more and more evidence pointing towards sexual assault, and it is more open for people to talk about it, rather than just to, like, 
keep mute. Based on what I have read, he has kept his word and he absolutely has not have had any more. In fact, there is a sexual assault scene-ish in uh, SEO Alicization Part 2 that was actually not in the original source material that the anime yeah. adaptation added and so in, that becomes, which is very unfortunate. Yeah, that becomes an uh, an animation studio and director problem. And that continued, that also continues to perpetuate the whole cycle, even if the author did not intend it to happen and they were not wanting it to happen. The anime is just like, oh, screw you kind of thing. So, yeah, so it'll take some time. Yeah, it's really unfortunate. It's very unfortunate, even though Reiki has promised himself not to do that. It takes more than one person to undo a whole cycle worth of generations of plot tropes that are not okay. It will take a long time. Right. I don't even, I mean, humanity is bound to continue to make mistakes. I'm not even hopeful that they'll change in 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> Agnes. <laughs> but it is a hope that we can continue banking on. We'll see what happens. So my final question in regards to this controversy before I move on to the next one is what do you think about the point that some people make, which is you never really should show sexual assault on the screen. Like if you if it is part of the plot and it's an important detail and it's part of the character arc, like you shouldn't ever have to show it. You should like you can give hints for it. You can mention it, you know, use this uh, camera work, which obviously anime doesn't have literal cameras for camera work, but they do operate in, in like their framing in a similar way, like use camera work to uh, insinuate, but never actually uh, but never actually put it on screen like what do you think about that particular point that some people have made i think that's fine i did point out earlier that a stylistic direction is also necessary from the animating point of view um so that at least you show that it's happening it is not something that we are shying away from because it is part of the source material and it contributes to the story rather than just being like something blatantly there but there are so many ways that you can do it, and that's up to the discretion of the studio if they're willing to be true to their word. And what about you, Isabel? What do you think about that point? Yeah, I would agree with Agnes as well. There are definitely different ways to go about it, and uh, I don't think it's something that can, can be avoided altogether because it does happen. It's not like you know everything's butterflies and rainbows all the time. So if it's there, it's definitely depict that. If it's necessary to the story, I just don't want it to be seen as a plot device or just there to, you know, like fan service or something like that, that that just kind of becomes annoying at that point and just turns me off from like watching the show completely. Yeah, I completely agree with what you guys are saying. All right, so we're moving on to our second one, which is Rising of the Shield Hero. Funnily enough, the sequel is coming out this year. Um, But when Shield Hero first came out, it also made a huge deal because the main antagonist, uh, Mine is her uh, nickname, uh, essentially sort of pushed Naofumi, the protagonist, to the bottom of the barrel because he uh, fake accused her of rape. And so, or sorry, fake accused him, not her. Um, she fake accused him of rape. And this caused a lot of outrage within the anime community because, well, unfortunately, uh, most women uh, rapes are not reported because of the fact that a majority of them are not believed. And when they are believed, it goes through mountains and mountains and mountains of very intimate investigations that can be very traumatizing just as traumatizing as the actual act itself and um and the fake rape 
uh, has been used as a way to deter women from reporting their actual sexual assault and rape for years now because of one woman who might have made a terrible, awful, like, I, I like selfish decision to do so, completely overriding the hundreds of thousands of other women who are actually going through it and, um, and erasing it. And so when an anime that is also hugely popular in regards to people who are really looking forward to it, portrayed that on screen as a main plot point for you to feel sorry for the protagonist, it comes as no surprise that a lot of people within the community were really upset and offended by this particular plot choice. While, of course, there's the other end of the table, which is, you know, fake rapes, fake rape accusations happen. It's just part of a story. And, you know, it absolutely does hurt people and, you know, potentially ruin lives. And so in regards to this particular controversy, I want to know your thoughts as well. I have actually pretty strong thoughts in regards to this that is a little more emotional and not so rooted objectively like in the prior controversy is. Um, But before I sort of like go off on it, um, Isabel, like, you know, what did you think about this controversy? That was hard. I I feel like I didn't hear too much about it. And then when I did watch Shield Hero, I think I just labeled it honestly as, you know, uh, her being evil and trying to manipulate the truth, really. I think I saw it more in a broader sense rather than kind of um, seeing as a rape accusation against Naofumi. I think that's how I saw that. So for me, I feel like I just kind of glossed it over, I think, because it was coming from someone that I thought would is obviously the antagonist in the series. Um, Mm-hmm. I see. Uh, and what about you, Agnes? Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat because I read the manga prior to the anime coming out, and I already knew about. Oh, right, I remember that. Yeah, I, I I remember reading about the fake rape accusation, and it's kind of like childishly uh, portrayed villains, very stereotypical kind of that they use this kind of manip- And although like fake ac- rape accusation plots should be taken very seriously because there are a lot of people who manipulate you in life and it's absolutely devastating for people. But at the same time, I feel like some people got really, really overly emotional over an isekai that is not even meant to be that dark. And they overthought the fake rape accusation as something that was super duper detrimental and needed to make Naofumi more angsty than he was. I don't know. I just feel like it was just so blatantly there to show that the 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 villainess is a villain rather than create her as someone even more cunning and manipulative. So I thought it was kind of like maybe I guess people becoming more sensitive to that fact and overthinking that this is just a simple plot device for an isekai that is really, at the end of the day, really not taking itself that seriously. Okay, so my thoughts on the matter has changed across the years, and there's a very personal reason as to why it did. But um, the when I originally saw it, I wasn't outraged by it, per se. I just found it more annoying because, you know, and I talked about it in, like, the episode where we talked about anime that we found overrated, and I had said Shield Hero, I think, was overrated. I thought the beginning with the rape accusation the fake rape accusation and like the setup for it was just so so obvious that I was like rolling my eyes in regards to how obvious it is so it was more like bad writing that I was annoyed with more than actually the content of it being a fake rape accusation 
But my opinions on it have changed and I do take it a lot more seriously now. And the reason for that is unfortunately, one of my close friends got raped and she went through the process of reporting him and the amount of people who did not believe her and thought she was doing a fake accusation because he is a because he's just a normal guy who works hard at his job and there isn't anything else that seems different about him has really opened my eyes in regards to how because it's like in the back of my mind I always knew this was a problem but once it was happening to someone that I care about and I like want to kill the guy after um I found out what he did to see it happen to her with professionals in the area questioning her while she puts in the report and all that stuff it made me realize that even if it is so badly written and corny it does have an effect and the effect is while women might not take it seriously and roll their eyes like, you know, all three of us were like, wow, this is like kind of obvious bad writing in regards to setting up an antagonist. We have on the other side people who are always doubting rape accusations and, and sort of feeling vindicated from a story, which you know, you say it's an isekai and it doesn't take place in the real world. But I also think all three of us know that stories, even fantasy stories, very much has a an effect in regards to people's views and perceptions. And so I think knowing just how hard and grueling the process is just to report what happened, much less actually try to pursue any sort of legal action, which my friend actually did not do. It really put into perspective for me as to why it's so important that we shouldn't set up these kind of stories, because as long as these kind of stories happen, still, we're going to continuously get pushback from the other side of people being like, well, what if it was a fake accusation? And so and to this day, that that still is an extremely big problem and is a big reason why a lot of women don't report it. And so my views on it have changed quite drastically. And I actually and so it's no longer me looking at it with disdain in regards to a bad writing now, but it is actually looking at it in disdain culturally, because I know that these sort of stories are exactly what some people will use unconsciously to support their claims of this is why, you know, we should question everything whenever um, whenever a woman actually puts in a report and stuff like that, because, you know, these fake rape stuff happens. So we have to keep it in mind and basically make a traumatized victim go through more traumatizing activities just to be heard and believed in. So, yeah. That's why, like, I've had more of a journey with this and, like, it's there's more emotional ties with, for me in regards to this particular controversy. So I have a rebuttal to that only because I still feel like it's bad writing because the way that they show the villainous in the series is a person who has power and uses the fake rape, the fake rape accusation in her benefit. Right. Versus in the story of, unfortunately, your friend and many, many other women, they were not in a position of power and were therefore ignored. While I think that, I guess the, what Shield Hero could have done in order to balance out the two sides and really create an equal playing field is to have the opposite of what the villainous went through, a different character who went through, who actually, let's say, 
went through a very traumatic experience and uh, traumatic experience in whatever context you want, but nobody listens to them. And then now Fumi has to figure out a, to either regard them with disdain and with judgment, like he did with the villainous, or learn that there are always two sides of the story. That there are always people who are more manipulative rather than people who are trying to tell the truth and bring justice. I will say I have seen that um, on a more objective level because one of the arguments that I don't really like hearing in regards to S.H.I.E.L.D. Hero is, oh, fake rapes happen, so, you know, this should be allowed. Uh. Everyone knows fake rape happens. Like, fake rape accusations happen. Everyone knows, including the actual victims, are deathly aware of the fact that these things right. happen and is part of the reason why their experience is so miserable in trying to get believed because of these scum, mm-hmm. essentially. And so so I don't really like that argument, but I I have heard the your argument, which is saying like she is coming from a place of power. So that gives her more of a chance to manipulate and more of a chance to um, more of a chance to show off in regards to her power to get away with these sort of things. I don't disagree with that objectively. Objectively, I see how it is. But unfortunately, my concern is in regards to how the audience right. It's a perpetuation. It takes it's a perpetuation yes, that exactly. continues, which is why I'm saying like it becomes bad writing because it will continue to perpetuate the cycle of people believing that fake rape accusation is number one in compared to the actual rapes that do happen and dismiss the victims uh, claims that they have been raped rather it's only bad writing because shield hero doesn't provide the opposite of anything that could happen and forcing naofumi and his band of merry of merry members to consider that there are people who are truly manipulative but there are truly people who are victims just like naofumi i guess like that's what i want to see in this controversy because when it boils down to it it's very cartoonish villain yes i and i completely agree with this you 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 two read my reviews you guys edited my reviews actually all of my articles go through you guys but um once again but it's like yeah that was that was probably one of the things that was most annoying about the story is the the antagonist regardless of the fake rape accusation or not is so cartoonish and just not at all in any shape or form interesting or complex. And so, yeah, I totally agree. And I will say, like, if S.H.I.E.L.D. Hero had actually taken the route that you said, I actually would have loved that, you know, because I'm all about challenging your perception and having to learn about other sides and how everything. And I think that really would also nail it in harder on the fact that she's able to pull this off because she comes from a place of power. Right. You and know? then it gives, and she isn't just some. And then it also gives the characters leverage to call her out on it, which I think is the biggest comeback that any kind of series can do: is characters calling out on the hypocrisy of society and perceptions, and willing to do something about it. Which, because the whole premise of Shield Hero is, you know, people who have been beaten down, people who are the minorities, people who have been enslaved, rising up against the powers that suppress them. But it does it so shallowly that it doesn't feel justified. Yes, I I agree. And at the end of the day, you know, I've talked about it. You know, I think Shield Hero is overrated for X and X, X and Y reasons already. And so, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna harp on it any longer, but, um, but I do agree with what you are saying. And unfortunately, Shield Hero decided not to do that, which is why I do ultimately still think it's damaging 
at the end of the day, but, you know, but in regards to, like, the story writing stuff, like, you know, we're on the same page in regards to yeah. how the, anime, <laughs> the story overall just did not do a good job of trying to deal with probably a much more complex item that they could have made it. But, yeah. Okay. So that is uh, the Shield Hero controversy. Um, I, I guess, Isabel, do you have any last comments since, you know, Agnes and I have just sort of been in discussion about this? <laughs> uh, no, I really don't. I'm excited to go on to our next one. Okay. So our last one is Jobless Reincarnation, which, you know, literally came out this year. It generated controversy because of the protagonist. The protagonist is very much a pedophile, whether we want to mince it or not, it, that's the situation. He finds pre-puberty pu- pu- uh, girls as really sexually attractive. He talks about grooming them into like literally one of his translated lines was, I will raise her to be the perfect wife. So if that's not grooming, I don't know what else is. And he is just overall scum. He's absolute scum. And this generated a lot of controversy because, A, um, China actually uh, was pretty angry about that anime with a very popular YouTuber, or not YouTuber, but, like, Chinese equivalent of YouTuber, uh, who said, like, you know, why should we even watch these type of stories where scum get, you know, a a supposed redemption arc? Like, there's nothing redeeming about them. They shouldn't be allowed to be redeemed in the first place and give them, like, an excuse as to why they should get redeemed and stuff. They did, they're terrible people with terrible thoughts, and they shouldn't be allowed otherwise. But of course, there is the other fact with, you know, the anime, the anime itself is actually quite gorgeous Um, because I watched the anime and the animation is beautiful. It's like chef's kiss beautiful. And the characters in there are otherwise very complex and the world is very fascinating. And it is considered one of the not the first isekai, but it did sort of start a lot of the tropes that we later seen uh, we to see today in a lot of the modern isekai. So it's sort of so it's almost like the grandfather of the modern isekai that we know. And so there's just a lot going for it, and with a protagonist that very much is that very much is finds like prepuberty girls very sexually attractive has obviously caused a lot of uh, controversy in that regards. And so I I don't think either of you two watch this anime, right? No, I'm not a fan of isekai, so <laughs> I've, I've grown oh, uh, at, right. at the, By the time I finished or I was reading Shield Hero, I was slowly drifting away from mm. isekais already. So I did not pick up Jobless. Ah, uh, okay, okay, I see. Um, and Isabel, I don't think you watched I it. I actually either, did. Right? Uh, I picked it up recently just to oh, see you it. D- Okay, 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 okay. Okay, yeah, then perfect. I'm really curious on your uh, opinions then in that regard. (laughs) Yeah, uh... Oh yeah, what did I want to say? Yeah, just like Agnes, I kind of stray from isekais, but in this, Jobless Reincarnation just really, like you said, it it actually has a decent plotline that I can follow. I didn't feel like it was something like Shield Hero in a sense. It's actually really different. It actually reminds me of the other one with Elena, that's kind of the witch's journey. Um, that very, very similar to that. I feel like it, which is kind of more like slice of life, and then you meet certain characters and go on a journey adventure. Um, so I really liked in that sense, but I do agree with you that it definitely annoys me whenever um, the characters, uh, you know, with these girls, and and it 
it's even more weird because there are two voice actors, right? There's the child voice actor who voices him, and then he's got the older voice. So the fact that there's an older voice and he's thinking about that all the time, like you just know it's there. Like if there's a chance, if there's a scene, it's going to be there. And I've come to expect it. I just kind of close my eye and maybe close my other eye. <laughs> just move on from that ignorance is bliss it's honest it's honestly annoying i feel like i wish like he wouldn't be doing that all the time it is mm-hmm. it's like in a way it's almost tragic because it's like you said all the other elements are there to make it very well written yeah. you know like <laughs> absolutely like i I want to learn more about the world i feel like there's just so much world building like when he meets the demons and stuff this is a world mm-hmm. i want to know more yeah. of actually um but for the character, I, I, f- I feel like it's different halves. Like, it's, it literally almost feels like he's two different people. Sometimes he's a mage genius, and then sometimes he's just, you know, like a perverted old man, <laughs> I feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's like, it's it's absolutely baffling. And it's, um and I think, so I, some of the uh, arguments back to it is the only one that I would point out aside because there is the usual, you know, oh, it's anime, it's not real. So stop getting, you know, all worked up about something that's not real and stuff like that, which I will respond to it right now. That's not a good argument because here's the thing. Stories, which is what anime is, stories and art have been reflecting and affecting culture since the day it existed. That is how that is literally how it works. So to say that it's not real doesn't matter is just not really an argument to be made here because it quite literally can affect uh, act- uh, cultures around you as we see. Right. And I mean, we take, we use the example talking about the sexual assault and the fake rape accusations that people are taking inspirations from real life. This is not something they can draw off the top of their head. This is also something that environment affects them and affects stories, which also shows the very disturbing duality of society being g- pretty good and then society being an utter piece of shit. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's a good thing this one is explicit, so you can't. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and the editor doesn't have to edit it out. But, um, but anyway, so I so that argument I never buy. The second argument that someone did make that was interesting was the fact that, you know, having pedophile thoughts doesn't mean acting upon it. And one of the members of our team, um, Medi, he also pointed out that pedophilia is officially classified and it absolutely is classified as a mental illness. And in fact, there are um, there are people in real life who realize they feel sexually attracted to children and know it's really wrong and and actually want to fix themselves and not have to deal with stuff that they personally know is disgusting that they can't seem to just get away from. And so I do, and as strange as it sounds, I do think that is an accurate thing to keep in mind as well as, you know, as well as be aware of. The issue in this case is if the protagonist was actually like that, I would be more forgiving. But he he legitimately, one of the girls who was, was she 10 or 11, Isabel? Do you remember? I, she was the... Um, uh, she was Aries, um, the red hair girl. I actually don't know how old she was, but definitely yeah, around ten or eleven or 
around that age. Mm-hmm. Okay, so like she she was like not a teenager, one hundred percent. Not that this would be okay if it was a teenager, but just like keep in mind, not a teenager. And she was napping, and he straight up felt her chest to see if any breasts had grown in, and then tried to take off her underwear. So. This is not a case of having pedophilia thoughts doesn't mean you act upon them. He absolutely was acting upon them when he did something like that. And so so that just throws a wrench in again. And like, I always say this, but I have a love-hate relationship with jobless reincarnation because there's so many things that it does do right. And there's actually a mother's basement video that does a really good job of breaking that down essentially where um the female characters I actually adore all the female characters I don't know about you Isabel but I really like them and so yeah I actually do too I'm also it's not it also doesn't feel like a harem in a sense because he meets them one by one and then he has separate interactions with them and they're not you know all following him on this journey that's what I thought would happen but it doesn't so Absolutely. I do feel like the female characters are one of the strong points in the show. Yeah, so we have excellent female characters. You know, as Isabel already pointed out, we have a really fascinating world that um, uh, I actually, when, uh, so the pedophilia thoughts and like the actions started to decrease a lot by the end of the first core. And that's, and I actually got pretty invested in the last few episodes. And so um, because we were exploring different cities, looking at different species, and then on top of like just God gorgeous animation, it, everything about it was just so beautiful. And so it's it's just so jarring when we have a protagonist like that versus everything else that it has in its arsenal that would have made it a really good anime. And I, it's just so that's why I like I said, I have a love hate relationship. And I think Mother's Basement actually did a really good job of breaking down like how complicated this anime is with the fact that he was like, I can't even say I can proudly or I can't say that I would suggest this anime because of how triggering the protagonist is. And so but he's like, there is a lot of other elements in there that makes this world and the story very, very fascinating and good. And I still don't really know why the author chose to do that for the protagonist when everything else has been set up so well, you know? (laughs) Maybe this is just a a working theory I had while I was listening to you guys talk about it. But considering the fact that he grows up as, like, you know, this new child, but then now is, like, going off to explore other cities and cultures and meet other people that aren't going to become like part of his harem and you know being like I'm going to raise this girl to be my wife do you think that maybe jobless reincarnation is to change his mindset and to make him I guess be a better hero I don't know that's hard to say I am waiting for him to actually grow up into an adult I'm I'm just wondering how he'll act then but so far I feel like 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 Gracie said, the the scenes are diminished towards the end of the series, but I don't know if that will pick up again, you know, in the next season or yeah, if it'll it's still hard to tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. None of us have read the source material, so I don't even know if we even know. So, oh, another thing I do want to point out is the source material has a lot of fans, and a good chunk of the fans are actually women, and so clearly it's, Japanese or overseas, overseas, overseas oh. women. And so I'm so in my head, I'm like, it has to like 
I think I think Frog Coon actually did write. I can't find it anymore. I tried to find it in preparation for uh for this episode, but Frog Coon did make some tweets saying that she was also really put off by the protagonist, but the the writing was so rich and the world was just so interesting with a lot of other really complex and char- colorful characters that she ended up just sort of pushing the protagonist to the side. And by the time that she was invested in the story, he has become someone very different and not so reminiscent of the character that started off. And so, um, so I'm guessing that once it's once we've reached the point of the light novel series where it started to diminish and not really affect him as a character, but I still find it an interesting choice that he added that. You know, like this would have worked just as well for him to just not be a pedophile. So you know, let's, <laughs> like, let's, okay. So let's let's put this in a, a two different per- prong perspective. I'm going to go back to what I did with Goblin Slayer. But so the first one, like I mentioned, is if this is actually like a story arc for him too, because he since he's being in rooted, he's being rooted in this isekai world for so long that his own perceptions and thinking and pedophilic thoughts begin to change. And like what Medi says is like it maybe he begins to realize like this is not okay to focus on and rather because he's in a different world because he's in a different culture he starts to look at things differently and focus on what's at hand rather than his own perverted thoughts that may have been exacerbated by his previous life right and it absolutely was um isabel and i didn't mention it but basically he was severely bullied at school and he was overweight from the way mm-hmm. the anime was portraying right. it right he isabel he was um yeah overweight he stayed in his room all the time. And then the other thing is also from his experience, he never really uh, hung out with a girl or anything like that. And then everything he mentions is everything he learned from dating sims, right? Playing games. Oh, so he's yes, a virgin exactly. Chad being influenced by the internet mm-hmm. and by dating sims. Okay, I see <laughs> yeah, it now. I, guess I see it that. now. Okay, so there's that prong, right? If you want to say like it's it's a story thematic arc for the character, right? And if you want to make in poetry, go ahead. The second issue I want to come up with, how long has Jobless Reincarnation been running? What year was it published? Oh. So my um, this other issue is more rooted in the decision of the author, which is something that we also talked about with Reiki Kawahara. Reiki Kawahara, and I'm assuming the author behind Jobless Reincarnation probably started writing around the same time, have been influenced by the same influences in their culture, in their society, and also the era mm. that they lived in. But yeah, probably the author of Jobless Reincarnation, when they inputted that part in the story later on, when they started writing, realized like there was no point in adding this stupid tidbit in there and sexualizing the characters as it is, and then completely decides to gear the story in a different direction without anybody's knowledge, which is why it feels even more jarring that the that the pedophilic tendencies of the protagonist is is rooted in the first core. Mm-hmm, yeah, so it started publishing in 2012. Oh yeah, that that is like peak Japanese hentai uh, introduction into anime. I don't know what else I want to say <laughs> about that. That is like, I mean, hentai has been around for a long time. <laughs> I think that is really important, of course, with cultural context. I mean, the whole, like, you know, all three of us love talking about and looking at things in cultural context and comparing it with, you know, East versus West or like, you know, older days versus now days. But I will say there is a difference that is kind of unfortunate between the jobless reincarnation author and the SAO author because, um, you know, the SAO authors has 
you know, openly acknowledged his errors and said that, you know, he's not going to do that anymore and gave a very reasonable explanation as to why he got set up to make these errors in these writings and how he's learning from them. But in um, but in Jabba's reincarnation, the author's case, when the controversy first came out, he sort of like brushed it aside. Uh, so that's a shame and guilt. Yes. <laughs> okay. Basic human nature. Great. Fantastic. Um, yeah. <laughs> I want to say he probably just wanted to shove it under the rug and not admit it. So he's just being a damn sundere mm. and not being honest about it at all. Okay, yeah. I mean, I can totally see that. But he absolutely did try to brush it aside. He yeah. Was like, and he was just like, you know, sometimes people are perverted or they're horny and stuff like that. And so. No balls. Um, and it, it was like, it was just a, yeah, it was a night and day difference between like his reaction versus like, um, you know, Reki's uh, sensei's uh, mm, reaction. Okay. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, you know, different people, different strokes. Some people are more willing to admit it to improve while others want to stay in the rut and Keep it a secret as they change the story subtly in hopes of brushing it aside instead of addressing it. Oh well, it is I what it is. I will admit that I am also kind of guilty of that, so I'm learning to become better on that on my own. So I mean, being honest I is too. hard, especially as a creative when you've learned that you've made a lot of pitfalls, especially when you come out as a young creative. But there's no harm in admitting that you made mistakes and that you're trying to learn. Because it's because people will take you more seriously if you apologize and make amends and actively do something rather than try to keep it hidden. And that goes for all per- interpersonal relationships as well. Correct. Um, but yeah, so that's basically the three uh, anime controversies that is really shaking up the anime community throughout the uh, recent years. Obviously, there's a lot that we can discuss from uh from prior years but we wanted to keep with something that's more fresh on people's minds uh do you guys have any last comments in regards to these controversies like do do you guys like do you guys think that there's going to be any new ones in the future or are you hoping that it just stays within these three (laughs) yeah i definitely can't say it's to stay within these three because something like jobless reincarnation that was written you know years prior maybe we'll get an anime adaptation and probably will spark further uh, discussions, but I'm hoping that the backlash that you know pe- that we've been seeing throughout the years that there might be different choices made or having things portrayed differently is what it is. Mm-hmm. I agree. Considering that the the modern era that we live in is has an increasing amount of awareness, and hopefully it will change the cycle of perpetuation. Even though I'm entirely skeptical that it will change that quickly. Agnes, so so skeptical of humanity. Humanity <laughs> repeats problems. Okay, we wouldn't be here. Because we would be if we did not have problems and we solved all of them. We would have already been in an advanced society like centuries ago or like eons ago. But no, we're still stuck here. <laughs> we're stuck here, doomed on repeat. <laughs> she sounds like a doomsayer. I know, I, I'm i not like the most like gung-ho person to go to and being like, we can make it through an apocalypse. I'm just like, we're not going to make it, but we can try. <laughs> All right. Well, at least we can try, right? So, <laughs> we, uh, Trying and making sure you get out of hell with the skin between your teeth is the most important part. <laughs> oh my god. Then you can start dreaming. So I'm so done with you. We need to take the mic away from you. <laughs> <laughs> totally the end of the world. Like... <laughs> 
All right. Well, I hope everyone enjoyed listening to this episode and sort of understanding our views and perspectives. And we ha- we also had different perspectives, the three of us amongst each other in regards to these controversies and, you know, form your own opinions uh, about these if you guys weren't aware. But yeah, um, thank you for joining us today. And I hope you'll be with us next time. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye.